Chris, I saw you had a mug. What's in what's in that mug? What's your what's your drink? <laughs> this is just coffee for now. Oh, for now. <laughs> for now. <laughs> made, okay. I made myself a a Bovadier. Okay. You know? okay. okay. A nice yeah. nice little cocktail, just something sweet. <laughs> what's in that? Uh, bourbon, Campari, and um, vermouth. Sweet vermouth. A man of very many talents. <laughs> many talents. Trav, let me guess. I know you I know you're sipping on that water. That's it, that's all. I got my water and I got my jasmine tea. I'm good. Yeah, I'm, I'm I have lemon lemon and ginger tea and I have some water myself, so I guess we're on the same frequency right now. There you go. <laughs> I hit every single can of Red Bull I've ever had before Travis tells me off again about drinking Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've uh back with my seltzer. It is technically water. But it's just alcoholic water. Just yeah, I really, I really need to try <laughs> that one. It's technically water. <laughs> yeah, Travis, not impressed. Not impressed. Sorry, Travis. I'll, I'll apologize, man. I'll, I'll do better. I'll do better. <laughs> but yeah, man. Um, you two do so much outside of DJ, and that Chris, I remember you mentioned that a lot of people don't even know that you DJ. Yeah. And on Travis, on your end, like I know you do so much in the like the business world, whether it's community building, um, activism, um, social change, you name it, that some like sometimes it could get lost that you're the guy turning up the, the nightlife as well. So how do you feel that you have that balance between your life outside of DJing and your life in DJing? Chris? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. DJing, life life within DJing, life outside of DJing is one and the same. Got you. Um, I used to think that that one, that they were separate and I was, you know, there, there were two different lives that I would have to live within it. But to be honest, the, the idea of them being the same person that floats within each, which each realm is what I've learned is the, what gives benefit to your overall progress and success. There's just like, you know, the skills that I use to turn up a party or to, to make people wild out is the same skills that I use to, uh, in my everyday life. So I try not to differentiate the two anymore. Okay. Either, other than that, the, um, it's one cohesive individual that is, is moving through the world um and it just happens that that person could be at the helm of a you know two turntables and a mixer or could be at the helm of a of a boardroom but the same energy is what i bring throughout life right feeling is definitely mutual um being so involved in the community uh, you can't really separate music from the other work that I do because it's always going to be a sense of bringing people together. So DJing, bringing people together, community work is bringing people together. Um, everything we do is about bringing people together. So yeah, I agree with him. You can't really separate the two. Right. So I feel that it's interesting because the nature of everything you both do outside, like in your different fields of work, has so much to do with community building and experience and creating. Do you feel that obviously as a DJ, it's important to be able to read a crowd and know what the people want? So do you feel like that skill of uniquely finding ways to give the people what they want trans is like a transferable skill to your other businesses? I would say, yeah, uh, absolutely. It's It comes down to the basic of public relations. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to be a DJ to know how to deal with people or how to read people's energy and whatnot. I mean, public relations and customer service. Like, if you've ever worked in any of these sectors, then you know exactly what it's like to deal with other human beings. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. I, I don't find it hard to... to, to bring my talent of a DJ into the talent of a boardroom, into the talent of just being at, this, at a store or something like that. It's just, you know, be a kind human and the good energy will come back to you. Yeah, most definitely. Um, 
I mean, the the thing about like being able to read a room that's such a powerful uh, trait or skill is that you it's the first thing you do you have to be able to do when you pitch uh, any type of idea that you have to people who are unaware of what it is or who you are. So before I step into like a boardroom to pitch something, I'm already reading the vibe of the people that, you know, the, the, the front desk host that's checking me in and then the people who are in the, in the office that are, yeah. are not a part of the pitch, but they work there and you step in the room and you got to figure out very early in that pitch. All right. Yeah. Who's on my side? Who do I got to win over? Who has no, who does not give two shits about being here? <laughs> like you have to figure that out. And that's no different than being in a club. You try to figure out, okay, like who really is about this? Who really wants to party? Who knows this music? Who doesn't? Who do I have to get on board? Who's going to come up and ask me for a song and I'm going to have to tell them no. Like <laughs> who is, who are those individuals in the room and with anything, you know, like, I don't know, Malcolm Gladwell and his tipping point kind of explains it. Like there's different types of people and you have to figure out who those people are in a room. And if you can read a room as a DJ, it's like, I mean, it's one of the best, the skills that I think is essential, but it's a, transferable to your whole entire life. It's the minute that you really, you think you don't think they're transferable that, you know, it becomes, I think, um, a difficulty for some DJs or for people in general. Yes, they're transferable. But what I find interesting in this room in particular is that I feel like I resonate with yourself, Chris, in regards to having started DJing and then transferring those skills into that space. But with yourself, Gio and Trev, because you've been in that space and probably transferred it into DJing, it's been kind of vice versa. So how important would you say, Trev, especially you just said you don't need to be a DJ to be able to understand certain attributes. So how important do you feel like you being a DJ has helped you to transgress in the other worlds that you touch? I'd say it facilitated a lot more um, because now it was like, it's no longer just business or doing or handling like the business of people per se. It was like, hey, I'm DJing at a certain event. Pull up, let's have a drink and socialize. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, I made it a a point that I I never I never wanted to DJ in clubs per se. I like smaller venues, lounges, resto bars, and stuff like that. Where if someone does pull up um, to see me, I can still like step aside from the booth and not be worried about the energy swaying away. And that allows you to like. One, connect to the person as a DJ, but then still do what you want to do um, yeah. as a human being, you know? True, so, true. So, yeah, I think I think DJing facilitated it. So then it facilitated it, but if you took out DJing, let's say, do you think the trajectory that you've had since you began DJing would still be at that same level in your other areas of your life? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I I think again, DJing really just showed a lot of the people that hey, I can do more than just build a community and travel and eat food and whatnot. It's like, oh shit, he DJs too. Cool, let's put him on the bill for this now. You know what I mean? Okay, well, that's interesting. That's an interesting aspect. Um, for myself, I feel like maybe it's the other way around. Um, and Chris, you can let me know how you feel about this. But if I hadn't DJed beforehand, the areas in which I touch professionally may not have well i think will not have been to the same level especially in certain areas when it comes to people management when it comes to you know dealing with a crowd when it comes to just being in front of a bunch of people all looking at you just that feeling that boardroom feeling like standing in front of six people or standing in front of a hundred people my level of comfort comes from being able to dj from such a young age how do you feel about that chris i definitely i would not be in the same position i'm at if i didn't start djing <laughs> but that's because it really it taught me skills that I I now know after going back and looking at my life and constantly trying to develop um, that are essential. Like I developed my taste through DJing, uh, trial and error, um, yeah, the ability to fail and bounce back. Like and that happens many times in a night of DJing. No matter, you know, songs that you think are a banger and are going to go off, 
they don't and you have to have a, a song ready and in the in the crate <laughs> in the to cup, kind of bounce yeah. back yeah um it taught me all of those things and then you're doing it in a high pressure situation um being in a packed club where people people are dependent on you for their night they've had a long week and they come to see you to let loose um so you're you are the gateway into their into this world that they need in order to get back to work on Monday. If you mess that up, <clears throat> you definitely feel that energy instantly in a room. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, trust me. <laughs> so it is. And it also allowed for me to see, like, it, it um, you know, it, I don't know if I could, yeah, I don't think I would have been in the same place. I, I think I would have gotten here anyways, but I don't know if I would have um, as much insight as I, I have now, having played various different parties for many different people um, and culturally been able to kind of wrap my head around music, understanding it to be something that um, is a universal language. I think that is something that, you know, as a it taught me a lot, which I see now and value highly and would express to anybody getting into it to, to do it for that need. But there's also a lot of other things that can distract you from figuring out or understanding that. So, for sure. For sure. Trav, you, for people that are very familiar with you and know your personality, they it's, it's easy to know that obviously you're more than a DJ and you wear a lot of different hats. But have you ever felt that people who get familiar with you strictly from the social side of things so they might only know you because of gigs and seeing you play live have you ever been referred to as being just a dj and because obviously no one knows yourself better than you and you know you do so much more it kind of throws you off like how could you think that this is it this is my story luckily um no one has ever referred me to just a DJ. I'm super fortunate for that. Uh, I think I marked my my presence pretty good in the community space and in the fashion space so that people kind of knew who I was, like what my foundation was before becoming a DJ. Um, DJing was always looked as, oh shit, and he DJs. It was never, oh, he's just a DJ. So I, I can't really speak on that and uh, on how that may the experience of that yeah because i never had to experience it but then that's nice because i feel like with your worlds being overlapped that might have helped facilitate your ability to not having to be referred to as just a dj mm -hmm. because of the fact that you're, you're not working in two you know obsolete worlds that never touch exactly it's easy for people to have that transparency to be like yeah he touches here he touches there he touches here so that's, I feel, a very huge positive and pretty common. I don't know if it's just like a natural next step, but yeah, with yourself, you your nine to five doesn't overlap with your DJ career. So you being referred to as just a DJ is probably a bit more easier than I would say the three of us because of the fact that everything else, other hats that we wear overlap. So how does that feel? it's it's interesting it's i remember the first time someone who i've known for years and I actually dj with the person um this was last year during like early COVID time um when the government was i guess releasing different benefits to help creatives and different um entrepreneurs and so she told me about it and i was like oh i actually don't qualify for this because I, I'm still working, like I still go to work every every day. And she was like, wait, what? You, you have a job? And I was like, yeah, I work for the government. And I also coach varsity soccer. And she was like, wait, wait, I've known you for so long, but I had no idea you did anything else. And in that moment, it, it was, yeah. And that's kind of why I worded the question to you like that, Trav, because I guess some people get so used to seeing you in certain spaces and i guess just the nature of social media as well i wouldn't really be posting my government job so you don't see that mm -hmm. side of it it's easy 
to just look at my page and be like, oh yeah, he DJs. But unless you know me, you don't really know the story, the full story. I've even had events um, where I'm the creator behind the event, but because I'm also DJing at that event, people think I got hired when it's my event. So I've literally, I remember one time I was DJing at one of my events and some uh, another DJ who wanted to DJ was like, oh, yo, like, um, who can I like, who, who, who hired you? Who can I talk to to get on, get on the next one? And in that, I didn't really expose that it was mine because I like that mystery. But in that moment, it was just, again, interesting that, yeah, I guess for somehow I got boxed into being just a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes sense. And what's I find sick is Chris books me to DJ. <laughs> so like Chris wearing those two hats, you, you must get like the gray area must happen all the time. It's kind of like you could just DJ all of the gigs that you book other people to play. Yeah, it's kind of funny because <laughs> I use myself as the, the backup when I need a DJ. <laughs> but whenever I want to try something out, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do it myself for the second and, and see if this works. And then it'll open up everybody else. But I think I had a funny moment that happened in a... Um, it was during the What's in the Box Festival for Bambi's Jerk. And we're, I had gotten the license to go to 4 a.m., but fell short in terms of needing a DJ to fill the slot. Like, she wasn't able to book a DJ to play, like, the end-end slot that was, like, 3.30 to 4.30, you know, just to kind of empty it out. So I was just like, man, I'll just I'll play that set because I'm going to be here anyways. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I remember people coming into the room and being like, wait a second, you DJ? <laughs> and everybody had their camera out, it was video, and I was like, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so let me ask you, because that, that's interesting, because DJing, as you said, it, it's, it's been very pivotal for who you are. And it's like, yeah, like, so going back to someone who you've been DJing for so long, in that moment when people are looking at you like wait <laughs> you dj how does that feel i mean you know what it's just like one of those things where i think it's just because of my trajectory of how i played i played i've played so many different scenes and existed in so, in those scenes in, in different capacities you know played in the that hipster art scene and you know a lot of the club gigs that I was playing were in bottle service clubs that were difficult for people to get into. So there was an, only a certain handful of people that were seeing me there. And then another certain handful that would have seen me in like at Cherry Beach, the promise parties and playing all of these other events that again, really specific individuals within there. And then I left and went, moved to London and then come back and a whole kind of new scene develops, right? So no one really then knows who I am. So for me, it just kind of is, it's exciting for people not to know that I'm a DJ because when I step on the decks and I play, they're like, wow. <laughs> it, it, it puzzles them to see the talent because that, that didn't go anywhere the whole time, right? <laughs> like I've developed and kept on doing it, but it's, it's interesting. And the tons of parties, you know, like playing dude box, people never see me behind a deck, deck, the decks, and they would hear me rinse records and be like, where did you get this tune? I was like, mm, this is what I, I do this. I did this and I yeah. still do it, but I don't really feel any ways about it, man. It's, it's actually exciting. It feels like an underdog to yeah. be honest. I've always been that, that, that individual, you know, like I, I think I developed that as a young age when people were like, Oh, you know, it was tough to get DJ gigs. So my whole mentality is always like, I'm going to take your job. I'm going to take your job. I'm going to take your job. And, when people don't know I'm a DJ, I just kind of look at it as like, yeah. And if you don't do your job, I will, I can, I can do it. So, you better so, come correct. So, 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 so understand that when I tell you and I, and I'm explaining to you how I, I see it, that I'm not just chatting it. Like I, I, I've played for no one. I've played for many and I know exactly how this is supposed to unfold. So when I tell you that you're doing a bad job right now, I'm not speaking because I'm a, I'm a booker. I'm speaking because yeah. like, yo, you're actually creating a vibe that is not something that is going to 
it's not beneficial for me and it's not beneficial for you as a as a brand so you know but i don't really it's fun it's actually i find it funny man it's like like getting catfished i feel like (laughs) (laughs) right Uh, were you the time your time in london were you still active were you still djing while you were over there uh i played i did Okay. And I would book myself to do the gigs too, right? Just as a, it's, I always look at it as that in London, it was really nice to do it because people then relate, right? And, and though, which was very interesting is that everybody's a DJ in London. So oh, yeah. you're meeting, I don't want to say everybody's a DJ, but you're meeting people who do. Like, a, you can a, say it, you can say it. They are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. And they all play. So you can meet the person who is an A&R. And he probably is a five. He was a. He started as a DJ. My, my, the person that I reported into through parties, but like then got into the advertising world, and you know, still plays, but maybe not as much. But I think the the idea that everybody has touched the decks, the collects music, the idea of a DJ, I think it's it's held at a higher regard, and everybody mm-hmm. dabbled in it. Whereas yeah. here, is not the same. So. If I did my job and I wasn't a DJ, I think people would be suspicious in London. True. So when they saw me behind the decks, I feel it like just gave even more credibility because they're like, well, okay, you're booking, you have the taste, and you can play, and you play too as well. Like, you should be able to play. Like, if I did my job and I didn't DJ, I think people would have looked at me and been like, mm, I don't trust you. <laughs> that, that's, fair. That's, that's That's a good point. I didn't even think of it like that. So, Trav, with all the stuff that you do, before you started DJing, did you ever have to deal with DJs? Yes, but not in like, uh, not in a bad way. Like I've done a few <laughs> parties here and there, and like a lot of the, a lot of my OGs were DJs at some point in their lives. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and also growing up, if you were going to a party and you knew the DJ, like saying "Yo, I know the DJ" was a real thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so. Yeah. It was good to have those relationships with the with the DJs. It actually made my life that much easier to become a DJ because once I once I got into it, one of my OGs was like, "Yo, go rent a controller, try it out, and if you like it, I'll give you a tutorial on how to play on on like CDJs and how to play on vinyls." Hmm. You know what I mean? So I didn't really have to go and do the whole YouTube and like figure it all out from scratch type of thing. I kind of had someone mentoring me from from the jump because djs were such a good relationship that makes sense but then being in the creative space do you like have to come across djs to put on your events for your brand for your company for the community-based things yeah absolutely all the time (laughs) (laughs) and then but then now being a dj when you have to still Mm. work with djs do you have to look at it from a different lens? Because as Chris was saying, for example, you can be like, yeah, you're not doing your job properly. You're not doing your job in the same way as before. Um, No, I don't really look at it. I look at it in the way that like I'm getting to learn. You know what I mean? I, I always try to learn from, from the experiences. Um, if I notice someone is not doing a great job, I learn from that and say, yo, that's not what I want to do. You know what I mean? And usually if I have to be responsible for getting DJs together for an event, I'm getting three or four DJs that are way better than me so that I can okay. learn from them and rub shoulders. And then I'll probably get one or two DJs that are like, that are bubbling, that are making noise, and just just because I want them to be in that same in that same mix, in that same stratosphere of frequency of like conversations and stuff, you know what I mean? So, but it, so then but even yeah. that, did you do that before, or has that only happened since you started DJing, where you're like looking and being like OGs and getting some people that are new into the scene? No, nah, that only started when I started DJing, to be real. Before that, it was just yeah. cool to be in the DJ booth, you know what I mean? <laughs> like real shit. If you're not the DJ, but you're in the DJ booth, you're somebody. True. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can put your jacket in the DJ booth, you're somebody. <laughs> <laughs> There's you know so many I mean? unwritten so, things that everyone knows as well. <laughs> there you go, man. Yeah. It's like yeah, telling the bad. bouncer, no, 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 I don't do cold check. My, my shit's with the DJ. It's That's a different flex. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's huge. Just it's walking huge. in, no line bypass. It's exactly. Huge. It's different. I'm with the DJ. Yeah, Dude, what's no. the scene like in... Montreal enough to be jumping through the scenes are there different scenes where you feel like you are able to play yeah absolutely um Montreal is very artistic um very creative 
so finding finding your market is not it's not difficult at all. Um, like I was saying, I was able to just tap into the events with the PR people and then tap into the resto lounges and um, cool little lounge bars and stuff like that. I really I tried clubs a few times. And I was like, yeah, that's one industry I don't even want to like tap into. It's not for me because <laughs> then you just got to you have a club manager in your ear the whole time saying, yo, we got to sell X amount of bottles. So I need you just to play music that, that are going to make people yeah. buy bottles. It's like. But no one's dancing, dog. I'm here to make people dance. I'm here to make people feel good, not just get drunk and forget about the whole night. You know what I mean? Yes, uh, yeah. So it's 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 funny you mentioned that specifically because I know you're like a a music like lover, like mm-hmm. before anything, and I can tell with Chris that's similar, and I know for a fact George is like that as well. How do you feel in those moments where you can't be yourself because? It's like you have to dumb down your your skill level and your taste to make money. I stay away from those. The few times that I've had to do it, I was like, I don't want to do it. This is not why I got into DJing. So I stay away from those scenes. I stay away from those bookings. Um, yeah. No, no, no. I just stay away from it. Period. I mean, man, in the big, in the when I first started playing clubs that were like that, I was lucky enough to have been <clears throat> booked by people who were like, just do you. But then as the popularity of just doing me reached out to other people in other clubs, then other bookings came and I was like, yeah, cool. You know, mm-hmm. I'll play those bookings. And as it started to progress even more, like that's when people started to get in my ear being like, oh man, like this isn't happening. I need, you know, sparklers are coming out. I need you to play this song. Uh, <laughs> uh, or it's it's too rowdy in here. We need to tone it down. It's you know, like okay, cool. You can have all your your sayings as to what you want me to do, but that's kind of what made me be like, I've hit my point and I left because I realized that the the music didn't matter in those situations. It was just like plug and play. They didn't really they weren't programming it, and I started to look be like, you have booked me for my craft and skill and knowledge of music, let me do that. Let me do that because that's what I spend my days perfecting. And if you have, if you want to get somebody who's just going to play what you want to get, I can introduce you to that person. No problem. If you want me to be the person that people come here, because I will pack this place because of the music and you will sell the bottles that you want because people are enjoying themselves. And I also understand the flow of the night. So let me do it because I'm not trying to have everybody on the dance floor from 10 o'clock to 2.30. That makes my job real hard. One. (laughs) Talk to (laughs) preach. There there is stages to how we're going to progress through it. Mm -hmm. So after that, I mean, that was my like kind of calling card. I was like, you know what? Mm, This has gotten too much. I'm just going to leave the city all in together and go to London around people who I, who are going to love the music and want it. And that's kind of was my, that was the point where I'm like, I'm not, I'm never playing a party that uh, I'm not allowed to be myself. Cause like it defeats the purpose then, you know, because I'm to express myself. Yeah. If I can't do that, then why am I DJing? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's really interesting. As you said, you have experience where, when you have your own events and you work with DJs and you're explaining certain things to them, you're explaining it to them from a place of experience. You know exactly why. But oftentimes in those settings, in clubs, the owners or whoever it may be who are trying to instruct you have no experience at all and wouldn't even know what to do if they were behind two CDJs. So where, where does the lack of trust come from? You booked me for a reason. Yeah. The thing is, is that I think I, because I see both sides of it and I've always kind of, even before doing the job, I've kind of seen it. I'll never talk to a DJ in a night ever. And I guess it's different. I don't book DJs to play. When I book a DJ to play, I book the party that that person represents or what their brand. So if I want a night that's going to be 
I want the nights to have a different flow to them. I don't want them to be something where you're just coming in and playing everything under the sun. There's a DJ that knows how to do that and can curate that accordingly. But I've booked the person because of of how they play and who they are. What happens is, is that that individual might not necessarily have the experience yet to carry a night from start to finish. So in that, I'm like, you need to learn somehow. I, I do believe you have the skill and the talent to learn it. Let me let you play. You know, do your thing because I know you can get the party started. But more times, sometimes what happens is a DJ, like where I was explaining before, you know, you can fail in a night and that really can hinder yourself to play the rest of the night. So I'll just have the conversations after with them to be like, how did you feel about your set? What could you have done? And then when they answer, ask them, you know, what would you have done differently? And like coach them through the process of it, knowing what I know, but not ever putting it on them. This is, I think, why no one ever knows that I DJ, because I never go like, I know how to do your job. And I could do your job. I'm more so in the sense like, let me try to give you some knowledge of what it is. And so from that point, they assume that I'm just the person that has been throwing parties for a very long time not necessarily someone behind the deck. I think the club owner is only looking at it from the bottom line and how people are reacting to it. And as much as, you know, some will say that the music, they don't care about the music, so they never put, you know, but they know that the music's important, but they never necessarily invested in the sound system and the equipment. They know where it holds its place in their club. It's what gives it its identity. It's what makes people go to the bar and not go to the bar. And that's really all they're looking at. And if the bar is not making money and there's a ton of people in there, which you can know if you've been in the club and people aren't buying drinks, <laughs> right? They instantly will translate that to the person playing music. Not necessarily because your bartender is not, you know, is not good. Or maybe the bartender's not well equipped. You know, the bartender is five deep and the, the the way that your club is designed, the line for people waiting in for a drink is going into the dance floor, which is disrupting people going to get a drink. There's all these other factors yeah. that play, but the one that is most identifiable is the DJ. Mm -hmm. Because you are we are the focal point. We are the, the one that drives the room. And when the club is dead, you notice the music. When people start to come in, and the first thing they do is they look around and see if people are dancing and what the vibe is. There's only one person creating the vibe. That's the DJ. You could have the nicest place in the, you could have the nicest club. That shit doesn't mean anything, no, <laughs> right? The DJ behind, the person behind the decks and your, how much you can feel the bass in the room is it. You can set the tone with light in and all that other stuff, which are essential. Don't get me wrong, but if you know, Right off the bat, you're never going to notice the room. I think that's the part is the club owner just, they know. It. And they don't book a DJ because they've researched the person or they've heard them play before. It's basically because, oh, you know, this person requested it. Or you play at another place that I think is popular, so I'm going to book you. Yeah. They never really tie the, like, the space that they own to the person that they're booking. Yeah. So then at that point, you are someone that I can control because I need you to do what is necessary for me to make money. And if I don't make money, again, it's a club. So you only have probably two or three days, maybe 12 hours in those three days to make all of your money. There's a lot more pressure. And I just think that that pressure goes on the DJ. It's, mm -hmm. it's not, it's not yeah. cool. So factoring in the pressure that DJs on, face and how pivotal the success of anything experiential that requires a dj is do you feel that in general because of the importance djs are like highly underpaid you can't ask me that question on this <laughs> <laughs> You know what, DJs, I, I want to say that DJs are underpaid. I think DJs need to understand, and I've gone through this, your value. 
Yeah, that's really I was about to say that. You got to learn your value and learn how to negotiate and stand by your value. Yeah. So, and again, if you step out the world of this, if someone tells you what their budget is or what they're able to offer and you take it, I don't need to pitch to you the opportunities that are there. You yourself should know the opportunities that exist within taking this book in and the potential that it could lead to. I'm not necessarily undervaluing you what your price is, but you have to understand what the value of your price is because I understand the value that I can offer you. And sometimes, and at least for me, I try to at least make the value worth your time. So if I can't, if I'm going to book you for a whole night or I'm going to book you for a little bit, you got to know what it is that you're going to do within that night. There's different sets. You know, if I only need you to play for an hour, I'm going to relate that to like, a, a booking of, of your time and how much I can do for that hour. Right. If you're a bigger enough, if you're a DJ or I shouldn't say if you're big, but if there's something that comes more with the value that you offer, just in you playing the records, then the, then the price changes. And that's always, that's negotiable, you know, and it's either I can do it or I can't do it. And sometimes, you know, as a DJ, it's hard to turn a gig down. So I think mm-hmm. the value is, it, it sits in that. I think you just have to know your worth. At least for me, because I'm going to go in and say, "Yo, it's two fifty, it's four hundred, it's five, it's a Gino," and I will play it accordingly, based off of what Facts. I actually can offer. But I'm also never going to be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, can you play for fifty bucks?" Like, there's just a there's a thing for me that I just won't do. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But if I'm like, "Oh, come in and I need you to play for forty five minutes," here's hundred and fifty bucks. You know, don't worry. Equipment's all there. I'll have it all set up. I just need you to come in, plug in, pl- plug in, play, and then dip. Like I will make it as easy as possible for the DJ. And knowing that I don't have a lot of budget to give, then I go the extra mile to make sure that that DJ doesn't have to go the extra mile themselves. But I can put some cash in their pocket because otherwise, I'll play it. <laughs> <laughs> But that's kind of like how I look at it. I was like, and I don't want to play it because I don't need the money. Mm. But like, it's 150 bucks. I can't really offer more. I wish I could. Mm. But yo, you know, I just need you for 45 minutes. I just need you for an hour. And if you want to play it, cool. Hey, if you don't want to play it, I also understand that too. Mm. But the CGGs are there. (laughs) You know, Uh, if you need a meal, I'll, I'll give you your meal. You know. Don't worry, I got all your drinks covered. You know, just step in, drop the set. The set, yo, I'll even line up another gig for you and try to make it worth your while or be like, yo, it's only from seven to eight. You can still make another gig. Double book yourself because that's the kind of person I was. I like hustled. I was like, what? You only need me to play from eight to 10, 250 bucks. Sick, I'll be able to do it, whatever. It's like just background music. You just want me to set a vibe? Cool. I'll find a cover for my other gig. I'll come and make that 250. I'll pay the person that I'll get somebody to cover me for half an hour, 15 minutes. I mean, George knows that. I think I feel like I've done it with George. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know? I love it. <laughs> and then and then you can go and dip to your other set and then you'll make, you know, so your night is like 750 of Gino. Like, take this money. Yeah. yeah. No. That's I, my perspective, though. I hear that. <laughs> Trav, how are you able to you said about knowing your value. How were you able to decipher your value when you just first start? When I first started, honestly, I went off of what my OGs were telling me. You know, they were just like, yo, start with this as a rate, but like get comfortable being a DJ, get comfortable doing gigs. Um, and then once you feel comfortable where you know you can control a night from beginning to end, that's when you start adding up your real value. And like Chris was saying, once I realized that, like, I'm not just a DJ, I'm able to tap into different markets and tap into different industries and bring people to your venue. That's when it was a question of, nah, 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 you're going to have to pay me more than what you think you're going to pay your normal DJ. Because your normal DJ is just coming to play one or two songs. Play, I mean, play a couple of songs and set the mood for the night. But I'm doing that and I'm doing PR for you at the same time. I'm making your place hot. I hear that. So I hear that. that. That is a big thing. And to be honest, a lot of DJs, they just play. They don't necessarily have the, the full package. Exactly. Yeah. And 
I understand when I'm paying for the full package as a booker. Well, when I book someone, I'm I'm booking it not because you're a DJ, but you 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 have something more to offer than that, and that's what I'm tapping into, and I'm going to build this whole narrative behind around that, and I'm and hoping that you're going to take the same care in it. Whereas some people just book like it's a you know um, it's a it's a job, <laughs> but the DJ it's a it's a career and a passion is a different person, and that does come at weight and. And you have to know how to negotiate that, but you also have to understand when you're negotiating it, what is necessary. Mm. Like, you know, um, I can only fit 60 people in here and I'm charging maybe 10 bucks to get in. I can't cover your $1,500 rate. Unfortunately, it doesn't mathematically work out, right? But that I think is the thing that's kind of missing in the like understanding of the of value is yeah. um, is knowing what it is that you're looking to get out of it. And I kind of treat I've always treated it the same way as booking a, a live a band. A band will play an opening set for like a hundred bucks, and there'll be five people in it. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to think, you know what I mean? Yeah. But but. But typically what's happening when they play a support is that they're building their fan base and getting people aware of who they are. A lot of times DJs or that I, that, that progression is never really seen um, in the same facet. Because how many times do you ever go to a club and there's an opening DJ and then a headliner? It's normally just one person playing the night typically, right? True. So it's True. tough. Chris and Trav, I know... Typically speaking, you both have pretty busy schedules working on your different projects. Do you feel that despite, obviously, your love for DJing, sometimes it's hard to balance it because of your other projects that you might just not have time to tap into that space? Or is it time that you carve out because it means so much and it's kind of like special time to release and forget about the noise outside? Man, it's, it's the thing that I, I think I don't do enough of, to be honest. I don't DJ as 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 much as I should. Um, and I'm trying to, like, carve out more time to do it <clears throat> or find different ways to incorporate it into my everyday life. Because, you know, going from playing so often to not playing, to barely playing is, like, is tough. But every time I play, like something new to, comes to mind in the, in the in the moment of doing those sets. So um, I'm trying to figure out more ways to do it. To be honest, it's like it's just not enough. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, feelings mutual. Since the pandemic has started, I feel like I haven't played enough. I even canceled my DJ City subscription. I was like, oh, oh wow. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh, what am I, what am I, this was something I would expense usually, but I'm like, I'm not DJing, I'm not making any money from it, so why am I still paying for it? But hearing songs come out and I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm blending it in my head. I'm like, yo, yeah. this look good, good with this. And I'm like, ah, shit. You know what yeah. I mean? But, um, I feel you. I feel you on that where it's just like you don't feel like you're doing enough of it anymore because it's just not the same. I don't know about you guys, but I don't feel the same DJing alone or even online versus DJing at an actual venue. Yeah, I'm the same. For sure. You know, and I haven't been able to match that energy anywhere. So do you do you ever worry that you might be losing that passion because you're so busy and it as you said Chris like sometimes it's it's hard to carve out time or are you just accepting of the fact that no I'm still just as passionate but I just more so a time issue yeah it's just more so of a time issue it's understanding the um it's understanding that um uh these are just the circumstances of right now you know what I mean? Like my passion hasn't changed. And I, I was talking about this with one of my homies and she said it. She was just like, yo, a lot of people are just getting too used to the circumstances of right now, not realizing that before this, they had a life. And after this, they will continue to have a life. You know what I mean? 
Like, so it's just getting, getting that mindset, understanding that mindset, and then just, you know, rolling with the punches. Luckily for me, um, that energy that I would get feeding off of people and whatnot, I still get it here every day. You know what I mean? Being around the team and being around the kids and whatnot, um, and building the community. It's just, I'm not the one leading the soundtrack anymore. You know what I mean? But the vibe is still there, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to find different ways. I feel like this time allowed for me to at least start to like get back into the process of, of, uh, cleaning up my crates, um, mm. downloading things that I've, you know, been sitting on to download, um, cutting edits to stuff that I would have loved to do before, but never had the time to, I think the, the, like, I spent so much time DJing. I spent more time preparing for sets than I actually did playing the sets. So right now, I think, and why it's always been difficult for me is that I always wanted to prepare. I never had the time to prepare. So yeah. I always was like, oh, I don't have the time to prepare, man. I'm not going to play because I just, I just don't like that feeling of stepping into a gig, not having the like the heat lined up and ready yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> and have to like sift through it and like really figure out my vibe you know uh, but right now i get the time to and i've found different different ways to kind of to to dig which is where i find that i've always loved with djing is digging for records finding hell yeah things. hell yeah it's nice to kind of do that it just um and I've always wanted, I've always been a B-sides person. So the playing, doing the whole like radio or, you know, playing on Twitch or doing those things is a little bit more attractive because then people can really understand or hear that side, which typically you never really get to hear of too much. But um, I've, I've gone back and forth being like, oh, have I, am I done with this? And then I'll play a gig and be like, no, I'm not done. No, I'm never done. And be like, am I done with this? And then I'll play a gig again and be like, no. There's still a lot of gas in the tank (laughs) that I need to let out. So I, you know. You're never done. I'm on the other side of this. You definitely see me in the gig in spaces playing a lot more than I did before. Yeah, that's what I was going to actually ask. Because Trav, you mentioned about your friend that said that people are getting too comfortable in this time. Do you have a rough prediction of what you feel like things are going to look like on whatever the other side of this is and how you'd feel towards the craft? No, not really. I'm okay. I, I try not to think too much about it. I try to think, just take it one day at a time, you know? Like, hmm. it's like, I feel like this summer we might have a half summer, you know what I mean? Right. Where you may be able to do a few things and enjoy yourself a little bit, but like... I'm I'm just happy that I'm alive to experience this stuff and that, you know, I'm able to reorganize and restructure my life in ways that I'm like, okay, do things that you're passionate about for real and do things that you enjoy for real. This is your chance to live your life by design. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then if people are, which I agree, getting comfortable in this time, do you feel like their attitude towards the whole industry and things are going to have shifted by the time it gets to the other side absolutely not because yo people are yearning like they're fiending to go to a party (laughs) right now you know what i mean you tell somebody right now yo there's a party happening and you just have to stand in a bubble they're gonna do it you know what i mean like so that the the it's like um so pandemic started and the recession proof industries that won big were like uh, essential services and delivery services. Delivery services like made a shitload of money. But just now, when restaurants open back up, no one is going to be ordering food. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uber Eats and Skip Dishes and DoorDash and all these guys—they're going to see a huge dip in their in their profit in their profits. You know what I mean? It's only fear. So the 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 curb is going to go right back to the nightlife. It's going to go right back to the restaurants. It's going to go right back to uh, the DJs. You know what I mean? Anything in the event space, because if you can find a way to curate events in a safe environment where people feel comfortable, you're winning. Once the shit mm. is done, mm. you know what I mean. But then so. you even mentioned something amazing there, which is 
sticking to what you're actually passionate about. And this isn't always sounds like it's a dig, but as Chris said, <laughs> London, which I've also found is global, everyone's a DJ, but not everyone's got that same sense of passion. So if mm-hmm. everyone's that has been carved out in regards to sticking to what they're genuinely passionate about, on the other side of this, they, quite a few people are gonna have dropped off because I feel like the passion might not be there. But the beauty of that is that you get to filter out the bullshit. You get to filter out the weeds of who was really doing this for the love of it and who was doing it just because they saw that, like, oh, shit, I could get uh, a couple of USB keys and put some music on it and I'm a DJ. You know what I mean? Got you. Like, there's a, it's a big trend. Yeah. You know, it's like people who who get Gildan t-shirts and slap a logo on it and say, yo, I got a clothing brand. I'm a designer. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's the same shit. It's the same shit. So... This this is allowing <laughs> us to filter the weeds, filter out the bullshitters and the people who are not really about that life. You know what I mean? People who are just doing it because the bag looks good. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. That's the that's the real thing. That's the I think that's the thing that we come out here. Mm-hmm. That those who are the those who are vibe creators that really appreciate setting the tone in a room are coming out the gate. Fire, guns blazing, bro. <laughs> like, and that, and then the people who were just like, they were DJing, like it was a, you know, like they a were hobby, like, like a chore, yeah. Thing, you yeah, know? it was literally like a hobby. That person having mm-hmm. any, like, that's not the person that I'm looking to book. I'm looking to book the person that through this found themselves in their taste. And is and is sure that they're going to be in this for like if you make it through this and you do and you still do in it some in some sort of facet, like you're in it for the long haul. I'm a believer exactly. of like I would I want to work with the person that 10, 15 years from now I know is somewhat is some is still gonna be in this world. Mm-hmm. And really recognize the ones that are just gonna step in because it's popular and it's you know, it, they can they can they have the like the money to step in and do it. Yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't really that that person doesn't. I don't know if they last. So Mm-mm. you know, yeah, that makes sense. And time will tell, man. Time will tell all the time. Yeah, <laughs> you know Always, what I mean? Yeah. The people who are who you, who you're describing, man. After a while, people start to realize, yo, this person don't really care about this shit. You know what I mean? It's just a way for them to skip the line or <laughs> to, to make some money. You know what I mean? Or be around the cool people and shit. Like that's all it is. Like great. Yeah, no, that's yeah. fact. I think when once like all is said and done, passion will definitely thrive, and I'm hoping to see, as you said, more of those spaces where passion is allowed to thrive, and like DJs who are really like tastemakers and mm-hmm. really want to own like their sound, get to really present themselves, because I feel like there's not enough of those spaces currently, or not currently, but before. So that's what I'm looking forward to if it happens. Yeah, yeah totally. The older DJs, man, have been the ones who have thrived in this different. I don't want to call them older DJs because that's like not not righteous, you know. But the ones that like have, have been doing it for a very long span of time and still do it, or and they they've made this is like their main way of you know making money and providing for their family. They're the ones that like I see being like. They got to re, they, they're rebirthed in a sense because everything that we're going through is like suited for their skill sets, I guess. Like mm-hmm. yeah. they weren't necessarily prepared so much to be, um, to develop with the times and the culture and how it was shifted in that sense. And that probably was a, for a lot, very difficult for them to like manage having gone through scene and seeing so many different scenes and then watching like the, a DJ come into the scene who doesn't really care about it. Whereas when most likely they started, it was such a, it took a lot to start. So you had to really be sure of it. They're coming out. Like, I mean, they're playing like five days, six, seven days a week on Twitch. And I'm like, this is crazy. Yo. (laughs) More than you're DJing more than you would have DJed before. For less. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And, and their, and their skills were sharp. But they're mm-hmm. getting even like when you can reinvest the ten thousand hours into something that you've already invested the ten thousand hours into, 
that's the person that I fear the most. Like, I shouldn't say fear, but that's the person that I'm looking for. Because, like, Hell yeah. easily, men who have been DJing and women, whatever gender you, you know, like, they've been putting in those hours and they did it and now they're doing it again. Whew. Yeah. I can't even, like, I'm like, I'm waiting to walk, go into a club with that DJ and see the stuff that they do, you know. And then the DJ that never even got a chance to really take the time. Yeah. I'm also excited to watch that one. You know, the person who's like, oh, man, like, I love this. And then they, they were able to get into a club instantly and had to learn on the fly. And now they can, like, they actually got a chance to practice and put that hours in. So I think we come out better, man. Yeah. That's what I think. Also, I think, like what Travis said, um, a lot of people really, they're craving the experience so me like let's say i'm not djing the last thing i would want is for all this downtime over a year of not being able to have a dope in-person experience the last thing i want is to go somewhere and experience something i experienced in 2014 like i'll definitely be looking forward to something new even if it's in the smallest (laughs) form but yeah definitely agree with that i think with this time as well I've kind of even shaped my music taste, even though my music taste has always been however it's set, but it's just what you play out, unfortunately, to some degree, you might have to conform or you might have to, you know, know how, know your crowd and know what you need to do. But through this time, it's just been able to, you know, narrow down and realize what you really love and also realize Mm. what you really want to play out. But I've, like I said, narrowed my, music taste genre taste and uh trav doesn't seem to have done so which is why he's given us like six choices for us to choose from for his song choice <laughs> so live on here i'm gonna need you to choose from one of your six oh my God. Um, in order for us to you know get to the bottom of this God. sir they are calling you out mm-hmm. yo, yo chris what was your song man let me hear this <laughs> no yo you, you're the one who has Seven, six, what? How many do you have? Two, four, six. Yeah, seven. And and I was missing like maybe three, four. Wow. (laughs) All right, if you had to close your eyes and just think of the first song from that list that you've just seen and was tell us about it and why you chose it, go for it. Just the first one, doesn't matter. Um, Honestly, I would probably go with the Max B joint. Um, Max B, sexy love. It's that's so he remixed Destiny's Child song and made it like this super crazy street banger. Where if you were watching Smack DVD at that time and you see a bunch of men in a club singing to Destiny's Child's instrumental, it was a whole different energy, you know. Um, and Max B is personally one of my favorite artists of all times. Like. He really set the trend of rappers being able to sing their verses. You know, a lot of people think um, people will give credit to Ja Rule for doing it, but no one really gives a fuck about what Ja Rule has to say anymore. <laughs> Definitely not after Firefest. Yeah, no one really cares what Ja Rule has to say, but Max B made it cool. You know what I mean? Um, so I'd probably choose that one. But then I feel like I'm doing the rest of the songs a disservice because they all mean something so important. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm choosing the Max Beat, then I don't choose the Pharrell You Can Do It Too, which is mm. growing up as a kid on, under the influence of BBC Ice Cream and Neighborhood and Bape and all of this stuff. Like, growing up under that influence and being told, yo, you can do it too. That's, that's, that's motivational music right there. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yo, you can't do this to me, bro. I can't just shoot you. You did it. You did it. It's over. I'm sorry. Because now I feel bad. Now I feel bad. Well, I'll mention one of the other songs that you were considering. And it's the reason I'm mentioning this. It's pretty aligned with Chris's um, music taste. That Gregory Isaacs, Night Nurse, that classic. <laughs> I mean, you know, Yo. we were talking earlier about the you sun's coming go back out and guys, we feel man. the energy. And, you know and, what I'm and saying, And Chris, bro? like, Barris can't go wrong with Barris. So what, what one dance can do, 
what what made you what made you choose that because once i saw that whenever i listened to that i just remember being a kid having the soup in my hand doing the little the little two-step like i'm a grandfather <laughs> and you know it's, it's it's just always a always a good vibe so yeah, yeah exactly you gotta do the rock hand, you, know? you know what i'm saying so <laughs> you know? what what does that what does that song mean to you oh man i think it's just the the that rhythm that he's on and the way that he flows over top of it is just so sweet that it that that like that just that juke the doo, 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 mm-hmm. like that like it's just <laughs> it, it's something about it that makes you just want to give a yeah. rock to it and i mean it's bears you know so he has so many bangers but that i feel like that's one tune that i growing up I always thought like, whoa, man, like Barris, you you can do the lover joints and all of that stuff, but this wrong right here in a club, mm, fire, mad, straight fire, and no, it doesn't matter. I felt I always felt like it tore it tore the party up, like as a tune, like, and his and he's so smooth that it just it wasn't something that I was expecting from it growing up. And I used to hear Mm -hmm. it and be like, oh, I know all these other you know bears joints but like this one this goes up there with you know you can run a buju or a, or a beanie or anything yeah. after it could get hatched and it would shut the party down and it doesn't matter how old you are yeah. or how young you are if you know you like, know it just had yeah like and i don't think anybody could touch that rhythm like and like he touched it like that he just he gave it something special so for me it just it's always been a it's one that's always in the crate, getting ready. And a lot of people, I mean, if you if you're from the islands, you play it, you yeah, know it. You but, play it exactly. Yeah. Have you <laughs> have you ever heard him on the um, what's it called? Collie buds come around rhythm. I don't know the name of the rhythm, but Collie buds come around. That rhythm, Barris has a track on that called Last War. And I heard him on that. Yo. Bro, I heard it for the few, first time a few weeks ago. My dad played it. He got it on a vinyl. Jeez. And I was like, what is this I'm hearing, bro? I was like, yo, I thought I thought that rhythm was only for Kali Buds, but Barris was on it. Sanchez was on it. I was like, what? Hearing the, those, those guys on, on tunes that were are meant to be like, you know, I, I feel like a dancehall tune. Like, I look at that one dance like no different than Joyride. And like all of those, like that kind of have a different, yeah, you know, like, but like singers got on it, like a different type of flow where it would be on it, and they lit, they just slide there. Yeah, or, or uh, you know, oh, she did not just pull out a lighter. I'm screaming. Absolutely, <laughs> man. Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. I actually met Barris. Um, his son went to my high school back when I lived um, back home in Jamaica. So, and he's yeah. It's what what you what you hear in the songs. You can imagine feeling that presence, and yeah, it's that was definitely yeah. A special honestly, moment. my one and only time in Jamaica was to Reggae Sunfest, and when Barris came out, I said, "Nah, that's a different type of respect." Yeah like different yes. type was, of respect i was it's, just about to ask have any of you guys seen him perform yo the, ah, the one time and i said and the maddest part obviously the biggest headline is that buju's first concert since he's been out of jail so obviously everyone's there for buju but when Barris came out i said nah did you just say respect. did you did you say you were at the um, the buju concert when he came out yeah the reggae sum first yeah okay 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 i thought you were talking about the his first concert that he did when his he came birthday out of jail party. Yes, his birthday was the first one that he did. Then Reggae Sunfest was the first like booked thing that he did. Oh, uh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Because like, a week or two after, the one that he did when he first came out of jail, mm. I, I did the most riskiest thing. I booked a plane ticket and I went to Jamaica with no ticket of for the show. I actually yeah. I was like trying to find tickets to the show and I couldn't find any. And I went on Buju Bantan's um, Instagram and I was looking in his comments and people were like, yo, I got this ticket for sale. I got that ticket for sale. And I bought a ticket from a random person on Instagram. Wow. <laughs> and I was scared because it was $250 US. And Jeez. I didn't know if the ticket was real or fake up until I got to wow. the venue. 
And when they were scanning that ticket, bro, I was sweating. Te- I was, yo, <laughs> nervous as shit. Because, yo, mind you, my money's yeah, gone, eh? Gone. My money's yeah. gone. I don't know where this person is. I'm never going to find this person again. But when that shit showed up green, bro, all the, I, I was like, yo, this was the best risk yeah. I ever took. I went to Jamaica blindly. I had yeah, nowhere to that's, stay. That's a, you're a real fan. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. I was like, because it was like, yo, go see him in, go see him in Bahamas. Go see him in Aruba. And I'm like, nah, bro. See him Buju at yet. home. Yeah. Like, it's not the same. And then Barris came out and Marcia Griffiths came out. Um, what's his name? Um, fuck, fuck. Wayne wow. Wonder came out. Like, like you name it. Suddenly it was I'm the craving soup. Bro. <laughs> and then I had soup right after. <laughs> imagine Everyone being knows drunk. Me. I'm serious about my soup. Dog, imagine just there being drunk off of Hennessy, you're high off of the best weed, you're watching Buju Bantan and his friends perform, you walk out, you get a bowl of soup, and you're happy, yeah. dog. Life was good, bro. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like an amazing experience for sure. Worth the risk. Uh, one of the best, man. Worth the risk. Sure. One of the best. Yeah, bro. man. Well, really want to thank you two gents for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. It's been a amazing lot of insights a lot of gems as expected Honestly, yeah. and can't thank you enough for your time i know you super busy i know travis you're here you're beating the clock as well on your end yeah man we still got curfew for a while man fuck for how long it's been already it's been a month already actually yeah they're not they're not playing and it's stupid it's really really stupid as if covid comes out at night <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean like bro this, this curfew shit is stupid man but whatever Say love you. Oh man, it's been a pleasure speaking though, man. I mean, it makes me miss the fun. Because <laughs> <laughs> these are the vibes. It's right. great, you know? It's not the in the party, it's after the party that I miss. It's true, it's true. No, you're about to make me go cry, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah.